we're looking at Psalm 6 today as we meditate on the imprecatory psalms of the Psalter. I'd like to chant this with you. That means we need a tone. Um, That's how we're going to do it, all right? O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger. Psalm 6, right in the front of your hymnal. And let's chant this together. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sha'ol who will give you praise. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Psalm 6. It's a great penitential psalm also. That is a psalm of repentance, God's word leading us to speak words of repentance, sorrow over sin, along with Psalm 32, 38, 51, 102, 130, and 143, the seven great penitential psalms. But when uh, Professor Reese asked me to lead chapel today, he wasn't thinking of the penitential psalms, although he knows I need him. He was thinking about the imprecatory psalms, because there's curse language in here too, and for some reason he thought I knew about that. Curse language, the imprecatory psalms, those psalms that have prayers attached to them, like, uh, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, strike all my enemies on the cheek, break the teeth of the wicked. Psalm 3, I love that one. And then the other side of the spectrum... Happy are they who take your children, O Babylon, and dash them against the rocks. Psalm 137. Psalms can be tricky things. (laughs) Because they're encouraged for use. And we're encouraged to use the entire panoply, the spectrum of human experience and emotion that the Psalms relate to us in very human words probably more so than any other part of Scripture, because in the Psalms we have something unique. That one book sounds like words that we speak back to God, as opposed to the general balance of the other 65 books of Holy Writ, where God's speaking to us 
The Psalms sound like we're invited to speak these words back to God, and so we are. And yet, if they go unreflected and unexpected, these words can sneak up and slap you up the side of the head with an imprecation, a curse that might leave you startled or troubled or offended or confused. That's why as faithful and helpful use of the Psalms, I think it can be good to use the Psalms as a prayer book. And I do, but we don't want to dive right in in an unreflecting and unsuspecting way, thinking that, well, this is my Bible, so all these words are my own. This is my book, and I'm just going to use it the way I want to use it, use it the way I see fit. Still worse is thinking that these are magic words. You ever do that game, the idea of just flipping to a random verse of the Bible and thinking that God's going to tell you something that will last you through the entire day? We do that with uh, calendars all the time, of the, the calendars of the Proverbs that you put on the back of your toilet and that's supposed to make you happy the rest of the day, right? That sort of thing. If you do that game, you're going to end up flipping to a random verse somewhere that says Jonah or Judas went out and killed himself, right? And then that doesn't sound good. So you go to the next one. It says, go and do thou likewise. And so, oh, no, no, no. Weird time's a charm. You go, oh, uh, what you were about to do, do quickly. And so, oh, no, no, no. Don't play that game, all right? Jesus is not about the magic words of the Bible. You don't want to deal with random verses because these weren't written randomly. They were written for very specific purposes and very specific contexts. Context, context, context. I see some of my Latin students. Big C word, right? Context, context, context. And the Lord Jesus shows us the context of these psalms in all of his ministry, right, throughout, that these are words that speak of him. He's in command of all the law and all the prophets that speak of him and also the writings, which he puts an exclamation point on when he's dying for my sins and yours and he calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my distress. I cried out to the Lord all day long, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Yet I am a worm and not a man. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their head. Psalm 22. That's Jesus' song. That's Jesus' psalm of suffering and Jesus' song of vindication and victory. And all the Psalter belongs to the Lord Jesus because it turns out that these are the prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the blessed man that we heard about a couple of weeks ago when we were led through Psalm 1 by Dr. Middendorf. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The he there, the man there, that's Jesus Christ. He is the blessed man. And dear friend in Christ, if these are Jesus' prayers, then only he gets to pray them. And if they're Jesus' prayers, then he gets to give them to anyone that he wants. And that's why this is the prayer book of Jesus Christ himself. And those he has redeemed. 
to whom he gives this heavenly language as a gift. The only ones who get to pray these prayers are Jesus Christ and those to whom he has given them to be prayed. And that's you. So use them wisely. And that's especially important when we get to the penitential psalms and to the imprecatory psalms, the cursed psalms, the psalms that pray against my enemies. How now, Jesus? Imprecation? I thought Jesus taught us to love our enemies, not dash babies' heads against rocks, as in Psalm 137. But here again, context, context, Context is key. And it shows that there's a way that Jesus dealt with this too. Take a look at Psalm 6. It's still open for you. Psalm 6, verse 8. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. Take a look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 13. I'll give you a minute to look that up. Luke chapter 13. How Jesus deals with the Psalms. Luke chapter 13, Jesus on his Jerusalem journey, walking towards the cross, ultimately his death for you and for me. But people are asking him in his last couple of weeks as he makes his way to Jerusalem, these questions. Luke chapter 13, starting verse 22. Follow along with me. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said, yeah, basically. All right. He said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. And he will answer you, I don't know you. I don't know where you came from. Verse 26, then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. And you taught in our streets. But he will say, let's do the words of the master. I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Bum, bum, bum. Jesus' words. Jesus' words of curse. Jesus' words of judgment. Jesus' words for those who have excluded themselves from the bridegroom's feast and think that they can get in on Jesus' hospitality to everybody without realizing that he had actually come to offer the hospitality to the least, to the last, to the lost, to the downtrodden, to the lowly, to the needy, to those who recognize their need for this bridegroom, this Jesus Now, what Jesus says actually happens. You give me that? What Jesus says actually happens. We call it performative speech. When he talks, things happen. I say, let there be light, and the lights don't go on. He says, let there be light, and boom, the glory of the ages. Up until the end of time. I say, on your belly you will go, dust you will eat all the days of your life, and snakes still walk around on two legs. But Jesus says it, and all of a sudden, the serpent has a mouthful of mud. Jesus speaks and things happen. You give me that? When Jesus speaks the curses of this word, things actually happen. 
And he's the master of that feast, the one who comes at the end, the one that lasts forever, the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom that has no end. And here in this Luke 13 business where he's quoting that Psalm 6, he's the one that speaks to those who don't mind palling around with this Jesus, taking him on their terms, enjoying a miracle here and a guru lesson there, but not seeing in him the real deal Messiah, the one who's come to kill and make alive and change everything you ever knew about history, shaking it up and stirring it around and topsy-turvying it, your entire world, until you see everything with Jesus' eyes, that the first are really the last and the greatest are really the least. And the enemies that you thought you had are really just small potatoes compared to the big dogs out there, the big guns, the ones who treat God's reality superficially, the ones who would tempt you away, the enemies who would seduce you from the source of your life in Christ by throwing your sinful life back at you, by making you lazy, slothful, apathetic, anxious, and short-sighted, instead of seeing God's world the way it really is. We have enemies, dear friends in Christ. All of us, newborn soldiers of the crucified, all of us have entered enmity with the world, with the devil, and with our own sinful flesh, and those are real enemies. Where your enemies are your own sin that needs to have its brains knocked out on the rock, the rock that is Christ. And that, too sweet, the sooner the better. And the devil, who needs to hear Psalm 6, verses 8, 9, and 10, the devil needs to hear, Depart from me, you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea and accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. And the final enemy also. The enemy to be swallowed up is death itself. I hate death. I hate it. I've had to deal with it all this week very close by. A dear friend of mine died on Saturday. And on Friday I went to him. And, and he was just there with his hospice mouth you know, eyes closed, morphine in. And I had to say goodbye to my friend. And I, 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 I said Psalm 91 over him. You know our theme verse for the year. And as I was getting to this, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wing you will find refuge. I heard my voice cracking. I mean, I was about to lose it. And I've done this for years. But this is a man I love. And I had to say goodbye. It was rough. The next verses that come a little later from there about how on uh, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike a foot against a stone. It ends with, you will tread on the lion and the adder and the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. There's imprecation there too. Because that's the reality that God has given my friend Bill in Christ who is in victory with his Lord now. And I rejoice with that, but man, do I hate death. Ugh! 
I've had to deal with it very close by, and it reminds me that you've got to keep your friends close, but you've got to keep your enemies closer. At least close up. Close up here. Close up in your mind. Because you're going to die. And your friends and your family. And that's an enemy. Keep it here in your mind like Jesus did and does. Ever the lamb who was slain from eternity. He knows something about death. And ever the victorious lamb who was raised for your justification. The one who conquered death for you for all time. Neither sin nor death shall reign in your body. So curse it for what it is. The bag that you're left holding for the brokenness of this world that you've inherited and that you've contributed to. Curse it. Curse the sin and curse the death. Know that as you curse your own sinful flesh and the devil and death itself, it's Jesus' words doing the work. It's Jesus' words that perform the speech act and the action. You know what it is to curse, to imprecate, to make fun of, to mock, to give a raspberry to? Hey, death! You can't have me. I belong to somebody else. Sin, the devil, you can't have me. I belong to someone else. There's nothing silly, nothing silly about psalm imprecations unless you fail to see the enemies of the Lord as the ones who mock, who make mouths, who wag their head, who open wide their mouths at him like a ravening and roaring lion so that his strength was dried up so that he was poured out like water so that his heart was melted like wax within his breast for you as they hurled insults against the beloved Jesus who bowed down before them like a sheep to its shearers. There's nothing silly about the imprecations of the Psalter, about praying against the enemies that Jesus has and that you have as his brother and sister unless you use them as just magic tricks against your superficial enemies today, people that you might be miffed at today, those aren't your enemies. Those aren't your enemies. That's small potatoes. That's superficial. You'll get over that. But sin, you won't get over it until Jesus curses the hell out of it. The devil, mm -mm, you won't get over him unless Jesus curses him right back to hell. And death? Nope. You're not going to get over that one. You're not getting out of those big guns, except for Jesus. In Jesus' words, Psalm 6, verse 8, 9, 10. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. That's echoed by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, where 1 Corinthians 15, he says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? But he's not saying it like that. He's saying... Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Let's try it once, all of us. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That's the imprecatory psalm. That's 
what Jesus is saying. It's nice to give back a raspberry sometimes to the big dogs. And that's not just spiritualizing a psalm. That's not just rationalizing something that's too difficult to swallow, like a prayer against my enemies. It is finally coming to terms with who our enemies really are and how dangerous a thing it is to live a life to the full. But take heart, dear friend in Christ, you've got powerful tools. You've got powerful words on your side. You've got the prayer book of Jesus Christ himself. No magic spells here, just reality. The reality of a word made flesh whose final word about you was spoken at the cross where he finished your salvation once and for all. So walk confidently against any and all enemies as you struggle because these words have been given to you as a gift. We'll sing the word of God together now with our closing song. And then we'll rise for the blessing after.